Gosh, that time feels a lot longer when you're waiting up here deciding when you want to speak. <laughs> so for the next uh, few weeks in the whole month of July, we're going to be doing a series that we often do every summer, which is God Stories. And so uh, Dave and the staff will invite people uh, to tell their story and how God is working in their lives. And this is not a series that I ever thought that I would be up here for. Um, so background on me. I am a church kid. I do not have some fantastic conversion story or anything like that. I do not remember a time where I did not know Jesus because my parents took me to church at a young age. I was there three to four times a week, whether that was for ministries or whether because my parents volunteered, they had to go set something up. And so I, you know, muddled around the nursery or made up a game while my mom set up a craft. Uh, it was not normal and, and if I was not there three to four times a week. My first job was at the church. Uh, the custodian that we had, he hated vacuuming. That was his thing that he hated the most. And so he, <laughs> an amen out there, okay, someone also hates vacuuming. And so he paid a high schooler to do it. Great job. Walk in, put your headphones in, walk around with the vacuum. Oh, it was excellent. I loved it. And so I was there every Sunday, and you can fact check this with my parents when you see them next, but I like to think generally I was willing to go. I don't think there was ever a dragging me out the door. There may have been some resistance here and there, but for the most part, I was excited to be there. My friends were there. It was great. And then this continued when I left for college. Um, a lot of t it would have been very easy for me to be like, okay, I'll just you know, take a break, but I was like, nope, I'm gonna go to church. Uh, thankfully, my sister was at the same college that I was. She was a senior when I was a freshman, and so I just called her up and said, hey, where do you go to church? And she uh, grace gracefully picked me up and took me to church. Same thing, plugged right in. I'm there multiple nights a week. I'm involved in the music. I'm involved in the youth ministry. Oh, this is so amazing. I love this church family. So I did not really experience any kind of doubt in my faith or any kind of you know, big problem or big question about God working in. It was, it was something that I, I very much had accepted at an early age and continued to believe it. And I don't mean this in a way of like, look how great I am. I'm so awesome. I have this faith and you don't. That's not what I mean it at all. Um, but I, what I recognize as an adult is how thankful I am to have had that opportunity. And in recent years, that foundation was very, very key in uh, my, my walk. So I get out of college, and now I'm in the working world. Um, so I have been in the working world now about eight years, and I have had six jobs in those eight years. Um, my degrees are in religion and music with a minor in youth ministry, and so naturally, I became a youth pastor. That's tracks. Then I became a Disney Store cast member, Naturally, uh, worked at the Woodfield Mall for, for a couple years. Uh, then I became the church communications director here. So I worked, I worked at a church again. 
Um, I then became a director of entertainment and programming at a senior living place. And now I work at a bank. <laughs> and I also freelance sports write. Yeah, because yeah. of course, with religion and music, that's what you do. <laughs> and this was not how I envisioned this to go, especially because uh, some of those jobs ended in hurt. Um, my first church job did not end well. Uh, I do not want to get into all of the details. I don't think that's the point here today, but it ended with a lot of hurt. I want to be very clear on this one. I also I said I worked here. When I left that job, it was due to COVID. No hurt there. <laughs> no hurt. <laughs> so everyone's going, wait a minute. Oh, no. No, no hurt there. Another job that I had, I was, uh, there was some backstabbing, manipulation, other stuff like that, that caused, uh, that caused some huge hurt. And ultimately, I was very frustrated and this wasn't how it was supposed to go. I got the degree, I, I, I was supposed, I, I, I work ethically and morally, and I like to think that I'm an easy person to work with. I'm a pretty easygoing guy. I can, you know, roll with the punches. I get along with people pretty well. At least they fake it really well when they're in front of me. Maybe I'm horrible, I don't know. But uh, it, this was very, very frustrating to me. And when I left um, the first job, the youth ministry job with The Hurt, this is the first time that I experienced a real problem with God in my personal faith walk. And so I just kind of, you know, took a step over from God. But because of that foundation, I, I, I knew I could not totally abandon him. But if I just, you know, took a little step away, okay, that sounds good. And this is usually where everyone starts to give, when I would express my frustration, everyone would give the cliche answers. And I'm sure someone has said these to you at some point. Oh, God has a plan. Cast your anxieties on him. Just stop being anxious and just give it to him. Being a person with anxiety, it, it, someone telling me just stop being anxious, it's like, oh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> it's not that simple. <laughs> oh, just, just, just let go and let God. Oh, uh, just, just, you know, just give it to God. Just, just, it's fine. Calm down. And I'm sure many of you, if you've been told that, you may be in a, in a time of crisis. That's not the most helpful thing. But the, the even more aggravating part of it for me was they weren't wrong. <laughs> my, my, my growing up, my teaching told me that, yes, God does have a plan. God is going to take care of you. This is no, the story of Joseph was big when I was a kid because Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat came out and we were all Joseph fanatics for like three years. Um, listen to that CD on repeat. And I mean, that's the ultimate example of Joseph is sold into slavery. He gets thrown into prison. All like uh, terrible stuff happens to him. And, and yet God has a plan and works in it. But I didn't care about all that. I, I, I was just ready to sit in my, in my you know, like, oh, I, I don't like this. But again, have that foundation. So what do I do? Being the smart kid that I am, I go, I'm gonna go to a part of the Bible that I don't read a lot and hope I find a different answer. Really intelligent. So I decided to go to the book of Job 
because I felt like that I was going through exactly what Job was going through. For those of you that do not know the story of Job, I very much was not going through what Job was going through. Um, The story of Job starts with God telling Satan, hey, look at Job, he's awesome. Ah, he worships me and he will never leave me. And Satan's like, yeah, it's because he has all this stuff that you've blessed him with. If you get rid of all that stuff, he's probably gonna, gonna curse your name. And God's like, oh, really? Watch. And he does. His family is wiped out. His crops are wiped out. His whole household wiped out. And even he himself is covered in boils and terrible things. I got swimmer's itch this weekend on this part of my leg and I thought I was going to (laughs) die. I cannot imagine the whole body being covered in that. And so the rest of the book, the, the meat of the book is mostly Job talking with his three friends. And then kind of the, the, the part that most people know is Job does not curse God and the Lord restores Job's blessings. But there's a part in there that I did not realize was in there. And, uh, uh, and when I came across it, it was, it was very, very eye-opening. So this is, um, I'm not going to read all three chapters of this because you don't want to hear that, but I will give you a selection of some of this. In Job 38, it is titled, God Answers Job. So God actually, after Job does all of this stuff, you know, talking with God and talking with his friends, God actually answers. So this is from the New Living Translation. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant, wor- ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. And this is when I remember thinking, oh no. (laughs) Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? Who supports its foundations? And who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shout for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb, as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? This goes on. Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid a path out for the lightning? It continues on. Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make the lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? This goes on. Another chapter of the Lord uh, challenging Job. Do you know when the wild goats give birth? Have you watched as, as a deer are born in the wild? It, 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 you get the gist of it. God goes on for two chapters about this. And then comes my favorite part of this response. Job responds. He says... I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. And God says, oh no, I'm not done. (laughs) Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you are right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right, put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. Give your vent to anger. Let it overflow against the proud. It goes on. He has a whole chapter where God rants about creating the Leviathan. And it's chapter 41. It is just God being like, uh, I'm going to emphasize that the Leviathan's limbs and its enormous strength and graceful form, who can strip off its hide? It is one of the most epic rants that God gives in the Bible, and it is awesome. <laughs> And it's one of the few times that we also kind of see the more, I don't want to say aggressive, but the less loving 
and nurturing side of God. Because we love the, oh, God is here, and, and get in here, and oh, this is so nice, and I'm just resting myself in God's grace, and that is absolutely something we can do. But um, sometimes, I feel like we need this kick. <laughs> and what I was mostly frustrated at is the same thing that Job was frustrated at. This wasn't fair. It wasn't fair. I had done everything right. I had gone to church as a child. Every Sunday was there. Didn't miss one. Basically, the rule in our house was, you're not throwing up or have a fever, you're going to church. <laughs> when we were on vacation, we found a church to go to. So I, I did everything right. And then I went into ministry. I was going to work for God. Here we go. I work morally and ethically. I obey the law. I, all these wonderful things. I have done everything right. This was not fair. And this was Job's thing. And God's questioning here is saying, okay, guys, <laughs> your laws of fairness do not apply to me, God. <laughs> That's, we have this view that we have this, well, the world needs to be fair and God needs to abide by that. And God's like, that's not how this works. <laughs> God is the one that determines what is right and wrong and then uh, uh, deals out justice based around that. But we do this all the time. Again, this isn't fair. This is the ultimate question of why do bad things happen? How could God let this happen? This doesn't seem fair. We all know somebody that, that, that um, had something bad happen to them that they did not deserve. And we want God to be governed by this fairness. And you also kind of see God say, Job, your scope is this. I see everything. <laughs> I know what's going on. If you um, have ever dealt with children, I'm sure you have a taste of what this is. In our house, if you come around, if you come around during bath time, you would think that something horrible is happening to our children. If my child would just stay still and let me wash her hair, I would be done in about 15 seconds, and it'd be done. It's a small person. It doesn't take that long. But we get worked up. We move around. We bat away the, the container I'm using to dump. And you, it very much, I have, sometimes have a response like God had, of, okay, kid, I just... I, I understand the whole scope of this. You're viewing this in a very narrow manner. Just, ah! <laughs> and even if you don't have kids, I'm sure you have dealt with someone in your life that has a limited scope of a situation that you have more of the answer and you're frustrated that that person just cannot see the bigger picture and listen to you. So I read this. And... And this is where I would love to tell you that I went, okay, God, I, I get it. I understand. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled now, and, and I, will, uh, uh, I will now come back and follow your ways exactly. Uh, well, that's not what happened. Um, I decided that this was very much not the answer I wanted <laughs> and stepped even further away. I felt very betrayed by God. Again, I wanted him to be governed by my laws of fairness. This was not fair. This was not how it was supposed to go. So, again, did not curse the name of God, did not, uh, did not stop going to church, did not stop, you know, 
really engaging in the normal things. Outwardly, you probably would have no idea of what was going on. But internally, it was very much like, uh, okay, God, you stay over there. I will be over here doing my thing. I will, I will still pray and you know, check in with you, see how things are going, make sure you know, the, you know, you've got the world all taken care of. I'll be over here doing my thing, and if anything goes wrong, I'm gonna be really angry at you. And I sat in this anger for a long, long time. Anything would go the slight bit wrong, I would flip out towards God. I would get very, very angry, similar to how Job gets in, 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 his, in his rants with his friends. I, I, I just, I refused to come out of that anger because I felt like that I deserved something and God was not giving it to me. So again, because this is where I am thankful for my foundation, I didn't completely cut myself off, and so I then came to John 5. I decided that I was okay reading the Gospels, because um, Jesus never says anything challenging. And I got to John 5, and it, we have a story where uh, Jesus is healing a lame man, um, a person who cannot walk by the pool. Um, so Jesus is in town for a festival. He's in Jerusalem. One of the interesting things about this story, and really all of Jesus' ministry, we read the Bible and we think this is a really big production. But for Jesus, these things were just like day-to-day -day things that most people really didn't notice. So Jesus is just like hanging out in Jerusalem because as a Jewish person, you had to come to Jerusalem for these festivals. So he's just hanging out, having a great time. And he comes by this pool and sees this man. Um, and, oh, I guess I should explain the pool. Right, the pool. Uh, the pool was, uh, uh, it, it was a healing pool. Um, the legend said that there was an angel that came down and touched this pool. And when it stirred up, if you had a sickness, you could hop in and then uh, you would be healed. But there was only a limited amount of bubbliness, and the first person to get in got healed. So I cannot imagine the competition that there must have been at this pool of trying to get in when the pool bubbled up. So people came here every day, sat there, waiting for this pool to bubble up, hoping to get in. If I'm putting my money on the sick, and, and sick people that are going to make it to the pool first, I'm going to go the lame man is not the person I would put my money on because I can't walk. So Jesus comes by and he talks to this person. So one man, this man had been sick for 38 years. So he had been, couldn't walk for 38 years and had most likely spent the 38 years of his life coming to this pool. Um, when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, and this is, where I think, one of the, on the surface, dumbest questions that Jesus had ever asked, would you like to get well? I remember the first time I read that, I went, duh, <laughs> of course he wants to get well. He's been, he's been going in there for 38 years, he's, 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 he can't walk, that's why he's there, of course he wants to be well. 
And the rest of the story goes as such. The man, you know, accepts uh, Jesus' healing, takes his mat and walks, and it's, it's a miracle, and then the Pharisees are all upset about it. Most of Jesus' ministry. But that question, would you like to get well? Again, on the surface, seems really dumb. Seems like a very dumb question. But when you unpack it a little bit, it is the key question in this story. What happens when he gets healed? He now has to become a functioning member of society. He has to get a job. He has to start a family. He has to do other responsibilities. As a lame man, his responsibility is to go to that pool and sit there. And that's it. No one is expecting anything else of him. And so the would you like to get well is a question not so much of a do you just want the bodily healing, it's do you actually want to take on the challenge that this healing brings? Give you a real life example of this. Let's say that I were to get a new job in Oregon. Random state I just chose. That's really exciting that I just got this new job. This hypothetical job is paying me a million dollars a year and I only have to work 20 hours a week. Oh, this is so great. This is a job that does not exist. Um, but I'm making it sound so amazing. It's so amazing. It is the greatest job in the world. But what does that bring? That brings me having to move. If any of you have moved, you know it's horrible. Moving is not a fun experience. Um, I would have to leave this church and this community and the friends that I have built there. That would be hard. I'd have to find new places to eat. I'd have to find uh, a new church. I would have to find new friends. My children would have to find new friends. We'd have to find a new school for our kids that worked, that, that, that worked for us. We would have to find all of these new things that are really, really unpleasant. So while on the surface you think, yeah, great job, wonderful, let's go, there's so much that comes with that that you have to ask yourself the question, are you really ready for that because of how much that comes with it? And so this is the same thing with this, with this lame man, is Jesus is saying, do you, yes, I, you want to be healed, but are you ready for what comes with that? And so in my life, Jesus was very much asking me this question. I'm walking just fine. Physically, I am just fine as well. But my anger was a sickness that I was dealing with. And Jesus is pretty much asking me, do you want to be well? And for the longest time, I was like, no, I'm good. It's easier to be angry. It's much easier to blame everything on God. Say, gosh, that's, you, know, you're just, you just have a skewed sense of justice and fairness, and we're going to leave you over there. And I don't have to trust you or for anything because I know you don't deliver. Ha! I've shown you. It's much easier to do that. Yes, there's pain in that anger. Yes, it's not fun, but it's easier. It is much harder to say, God, I trust you. God, you must be testing me with something. Surround me with a community and help me get through it. It's harder to wait patiently for his aid without knowing exactly when that will come. That's hard. 
So the first thing that God has to ask is, would you like to be well? So maybe you have something like that in your life. Maybe you're angry with God. Maybe uh, uh, like me, or maybe something else is going on. And maybe God's asking you that question. Would you like to be well? And I want you to ponder that this week of, is, there, is, is that a question that God's asking you? Because a lot of times we sit in something because it's easier. We take the path of least resistance even if it is detrimental to us. I would like to say that, again, I would, there's a lot of times that I would like to say things in this sermon. I would like you to have a great picture of me, apparently. Um, I would like to say, oh yeah, I'm fully back now, and me and God are a-okay. I'm slowly inching my way back. It's, it's still a slog. There are days where I'm, that anger still comes a little bit, but um, it does feel good to be moving back in that direction, and while it is hard, it is nice to be well. And I'm sure that that lame man experienced that as well, that while it was much harder, it was probably pretty nice to be able to walk. So I'm going to end with that question. Would you like to be well? Let's pray.